Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. How many of you here uh, get frightened when you hear the word prophesy or even the word prophet? You know, I remember growing up in a Christian environment. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't born in a Christian family, but, but I, you know, as I became a Christian, I hung up with Christian friends enough to, to, to kind of like uh, pick up a thing or two. And I noticed among my Christian friends, you know, uh, we, you know, sometimes they go to church or the youth group that they attend, you know, the, the, the person would say that, hey, uh, next week we're going to have a special speaker. This person's from America or this person's from another Canada or wherever it is, you know, it's always one of those countries, in Australia, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, South Africa, something like that, you know, uh, um, and, and, and this person, you know, is going to bless you. This person is also a prophet. And I remember, wow, the moment that thing is said, a lot of my friends will suddenly get very nervous because when you think of prophet, you know, how many of you have signed up for a youth camp? And the person who is invited to speak also moves in the prophetic, you know. Uh, and I know a lot of my friends who, uh, they get nervous because sometimes growing up, we think that, oh, a prophet is there to name and shame me. You know, a prophet is there, he knows everything. God is giving him special knowledge. And so his job is to kind of like, you know, call me out on my sin. That's not what prophesy is. You know, that's not what a prophet does. You know, a prophet is not there to call out sin. Does God use prophets in that way? In the Old Testament, maybe yes. But that's not the primary function of a prophet. That's not the primary function of, of the gift of, of prophesying. Uh, you know, it, you don't have to be afraid. And so I don't want you guys to go through this getaway feeling afraid. In fact, you know, uh, prophesying is not even about predicting future events. You know, sometimes you think, oh, no, prophetic is about, you know, so, no, that's called fortune telling, you know, and, and the Bible says there's no, you know, the Christians, we don't dabble in that, you know, because only God holds the future. So prophetic is not about naming sin or predicting the future. This is essentially what, you know, someone who moves in the prophetic, prophetic, not pathetic, okay, prophetic, and someone who prophesies, right, uh, does. Basically what they do is this, they declare what God has said. That, that's, that's what prophesying means, right? A prophet, what does a prophet do? A prophet basically declares what God tells him. So if God tells him to go to the king and say something to the king and that thing happens to wake the king up of the, the error of his ways, you know, uh, we, we use that as, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, that's what we're afraid of the most, you know, calling out, you know. But it's not to shame, it's to, it's to really grow the person, to wake the person up. And so what they are essentially doing is just, you know, declaring what God has already said. And that's what, you know, prophesying is. And, and I want you to know, because of that, do you know that as every believer here, everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone made in the image of God, all of us, we also have the ability to prophesy. And, and I want some of us here, we go like, are you sure? Are you sure? I thought it's only for a select group of people. No, no, no. It is a gift from God. You know, it is an expression of, of who God is and we're meant to mirror that, right? Think about it for a moment, right? Right in Genesis chapter 1, right? Of all the ways God could have, you know, uh, breathed life into the universe and created, God has hands. And the Bible says, and God used His hands. The Bible says, and God, in chapter 1, verse 3, and God rolled up his sleeves. And then you'd be like, oh, wow, God wears clothes. He rolled up his sleeves. Or, or God took off his gloves. Oh, wow, he wore gloves before that. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say that. 
right? Uh, does God have a mind and is that a very brilliant mind? Yeah, you know, uh, but it doesn't say that and God willed all of creation into being. Well, that would be, that would be pretty powerful. God willed it, thought it, and it became. Ooh. Or God used his hands to craft it. Wow, also equally powerful. But of all expressions of creation, God chose speaking. And God is reminding us that we are made in his image. He is the God that speaks life into being, that, that speaks, that declares. And so as his people, and let's not forget that that is also one of the gifts that God has given us. Now, some of you still might be tripped up and thinking, are you sure? You know, I thought no prophesying, all that is just for the prophets and all that. You know, yeah, don't get me wrong. Is that the gift of prophecy? Yeah. Uh, but just because they are gifted doesn't mean that all of us shouldn't prophesy. Let me give you an example that you understand. It's like the worship team. Are they gifted in worship? Yeah. Not everyone can play the keyboard. Not everyone can sing. Not everyone can play an instrument and sing. And not everyone can play that, whatever that is. That, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, thingy, that thingy, right? Now, not, not all of us are gifted in these acts of worship, but all of us are called to worship. Amen? It's the same thing. The, you know, some of us, we have friends who, they are so gifted in evangelism. Have you met them before? They smile at people. They walk into the shop, they smile at people and people immediately, you know, want to give their lives to Jesus. You know, have you even met friends like that before where they sit down and they have a conversation with you where they sit down and they pray for you and suddenly it feels like, wow, your, 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 your prayer just sounds so nice and, and every word you say just, just, you know, is exactly what I needed to hear. Wow, God has never been more real. You know, we have friends like that. But, but, does it mean that only they get to tell people about Jesus? No. All of us are called to tell people about God's love. And some people are more gifted in it. Amen? So the same thing with prophesying. Some people have been gifted by God, anointed by God to, to be very accurate, you know, prophets. But all of us are called to prophesy. And so that's, that's what I want to encourage us, to get us into, you know, the mood of prophesying. Prophesying is not just something you keep for the getaway only. Prophesying is something that God wants us to do daily because we are made in His beautiful image. Amen? And so I want to give us, you know, so, oh, before that, let me give you the title of today's message because I want to help us understand this. So if you're taking down notes, uh, it's called Prophesy 101. Prophesy 101 because I want to go through some basics. I'm going to help you. I want you to begin to love, you know, the ability to prophesy. I want you to begin to practice doing it every day. And so, you know, I want to give us three points. You know, three ways uh, in which we can start prophesying daily. Turn to your neighbor and say it's daily. Daily. Just like how you eat daily, God wants you to prophesy daily. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to give us some pointers and help you to see uh, some of these things that maybe you're already doing, but maybe you don't realize that there is an element of prophesying in them. And I want to help you to love it. I want you to help you to enjoy it. I want you to help you to excel in it and experience, you know, the full gifting of God. So point number one is this, all right? We can prophesy in worship. Do you know that, you know, when we worship, Right, we talk about worshiping. It's not just about singing a few songs. 
it's not just entertainment, right? In fact, it's never entertainment. I shouldn't say it's never just entertainment. You know, maybe for some of us, we find it entertaining, right? Uh, but it's not, it's not for our entertainment. Do you know that when we worship, uh, it, it is, first and foremost, it's, it's to God, but the worship benefits us. I'm going to say it one more time. Worship, the object of our worship is God, but the benefit of that worship is to us. Now, before you get tripped up, let me explain. Do you know that our God is self-sufficient? Do you know that our God doesn't need our singing? You know, our God is not some, uh, 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 some insecure Greek God. You know, so, so, sorry I had to slam the Greek gods here, but you know, you watch those movies, you no know, Clash of the Titans or Attack, not Attack of the Titans, Clash or, well, what's that? You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know, I know there's a show called Attack of the Titans that's also like Clash of the Titans, that's also like Wrath of the Titans, Jason, the Argonauts, whatever, you know. So all these Greek mythologies or if you watch any of those like fantasy movies, you no, know, usually directed by, uh, 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 what's that? Uh, Del Toro, you know, so that's like, yeah. Anyway, they always go like, oh, the gods, our powers are waning because the mortals have forgotten us. You know, all the Greek philosophies or, or, or mythologies always like that, right? Oh, my powers. So, so, so we need to send a monster called the Kraken. We need to send a monster called the Hydra so that when they see these things, they will, they will kind of run to our temples and, and worship us again. Then our power will be strong. Do you know that whether you worship God or not, He's always strong. You know, he, he, he is forever strong. In fact, you know, in heavens, the, the Lord is constantly being worshipped by, by a chorus of angels singing about His glory. But, but even then, God doesn't need the singing of, of angels. Our God is not insecure going like, oh, well, I, I really hope, you know, actually today will, will, will sing because I'm feeling so down. Can you imagine Jesus in heaven going like, you know, I'm really insecure this week. You know, I really hope, you no know, Sam, uh, uh, you know, Holy Spirit, can you please tell Sam to sing what a beautiful name? You know, because I, I, really, I really need to, 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 to hear, you know, that there's no power, you know, greater than my name, you know. I really, no, 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 no. Jesus is not insecure, friends. Now, do we sing to God? Yes, but when we, when we worship, it actually benefits us more. And when we worship, you know, uh, it actually lifts our spirit. You know, how many of you here uh, uh, have had a, a situation lately happen to you that has really soured your spirit? Amen? How many, no, am I the only living person there? Nobody, nobody got any bad news this past week? Well, you've all been living a very blessed life. So, amen, praise God. You know, maybe, maybe for some of us, you know, we, we, you know, it was a, a bad breakup affected us. Right? Uh, and and, and, and every, any, every bad news that happens, uh, before the thing actually uh, becomes bad, our, our spirit gets bad first, or our spirit gets affected first. Right? And let me, let me give you this example, right? So let's say you're dating, and then the relationship doesn't go well, and then the, the person says, We need to talk. Do you know that even before the conversation finished, the word we need to talk has already soured your spirit? You know what I'm saying? Right? Or even for example, if a doctor, talking about something more serious, comes up to you and gives you a bad diagnosis and say that, hey, your loved one or you have cancer, you know, and, and, and you're still alive, but guess what? Your spirit is already crushed. And so what God is wanting us to understand is that when you worship, it is helping us to focus on God. But it is allowing, is partnering with God, partnering with the Holy Spirit uh, so that our spirits are lifted. If you don't believe me, let's turn to some of Jesus' teaching. In John chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, this is a longer 
uh, just a snippet of a longer conversation that Jesus had with a woman at the well. And uh, this woman was asking Jesus about, no, your people say we should worship there. You know, my people say we should worship here. So if you're really the chosen one of God, where should we worship? And then Jesus is saying, that, hey, it's not about where you worship. It's not about the style. It's not about the location. Amen? No, God is glorified if you sing hymns. God is glorified if you sing EDM. You know, if there's Christian praise EDM. You know, but, but, it, it, but what Jesus is really after is this. Let's read together. John 4, 23-24. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers, amen, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And so what Jesus is trying to tell us is this, that worship is not a matter of style. Worship is not just about music. Worship is the issue of the spirit and truth. And when we worship and we sing, what we're doing is we're declaring God's truth over our spirit and we're using our spirit, our emotions to declare God's truth. And so actually, in other words, you know, you could be having a really down day or down week. You could have had bad news and you come in. And can I tell you this? Every time you don't feel like worshipping, you need to worship. You know, every time you don't feel like praying, that's when you need to pray even more. When you don't feel like coming to church, that's when you even need to come to church more because, because sometimes our spirit, our spirit is down. You know, we lack the emotional strength to do the right thing. What do we need to do at that time? We need to, we need to use God's truth to heal our emotional pain. And when we worship, that's what we're doing. Right? You know, give me an example of uh, uh, one of the songs I'm looking at the worship team. One of the, one of the songs. Give me one of the lines from one of the songs we, we sang just now. Prince of Peace, followed by? Perfect Healer, followed by? All my cares on you, right? And so let's say, right, you're feeling like, hey, I just got a bad news, a bad news, a bad medical report. And then you, you, you come in here, you feel defeated, you feel crushed. And then suddenly God reminds you, worship me. And in the worship, that's the truth. Prince of Peace is not just a, a, a moniker that we simply give to Jesus, you know. Uh, well, Jesus is already Prince of a lot of things, you know. What else, huh? He's uh, Prince of uh, Peace. Okay, peace. Okay, okay. No, it's not. It's the Word of God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Almighty Healer. And so when you lack peace and you're in pain, what you're doing when you're worshipping God, you're, you're doing a prophetic elf like, I might be in pain right now, but God is my healer. Uh, I might feel so distressed right now, but He is the Prince of Peace. And so what you're doing is this, you're reminding your own spirit, spirit, you might be down, but you're not out. Spirit, you might be stressed out, but the God we serve, He is the Prince of Peace. Spirit, you might feel like you've been, you have no more hope because of a bad diagnosis, but sp come on, spirit, come on. You, our God is the mighty healer. Amen? That's what happens when we worship. And that's why when we worship, it's not just a passive act. Please, church, never turn worship into just some, some music thing. You know, sometimes I meet, you know, adults that are so boring. I can say that's because all of us here are, are young and, and, and victorious in Jesus. But sometimes I meet some adults that are so boring. They actually go like, you know, sometimes I just wish that there's no music in church. They just put up the lyrics so I can read it out and, and, and understand the meaning. Oh my word, that's not what worship is. That's not what worship is. Worship is not just about reading lyrics. That's truth, don't get me wrong, but it's truth and spirit. Why? Because God is spirit. That's a beautiful thing. God is saying that I'm spirit. 
And so I've given you a spirit, emotion, strength, joy, and I want you to use that to worship me. Amen? And when you do that, things change in your life. You know, that's why worship, when we worship together, it's, it's not, it's not a, a, just a sing-along session. It's actually warfare. And when we worship God, we're doing warfare of our own soul. How many have been there before? You know what I'm talking about. You know, there are days where you, you don't feel 100%. Do you just give up? No. You got you to war for your soul and go like, come on soul, there's still hope left. Come on soul, our God is still in charge. Amen. Give me another line from, from another, worship, you know, uh, what we sang just now. Putting, putting the worship team, this is a, this is a, you know, this is a sneak peek to what the, the getaway is, you know, where I put people on the spot. Oh yes, yes, the other worship leaders, give me her lyrics now. Oh wow, hallelujah, praise Lord. Wow, it says, come and feel me, come and heal me, come and hold me, how I need your touch again. Amen, praise God. Amen, praise God. You know, when we do that, when we do that, we, that are there times where we feel, where we feel so alone? You know, where we are in a room full of believers, but right there at the moment, we feel so alone. And that's where we got to sing, God, come and fill me. And it's not just empty praises because does God want to fill us? Yes. The Holy Spirit fills us. Amen. Can God heal us? Yes. And so you're declaring over yourself a need. God, I am empty right now. How many know that it's okay to come to God in an honest way? In fact, you know, it's, that's also truth. Spirit and in truth. You're going to come to God in honesty and also use God's truth to set you free. There are times where you feel empty and that's where we go. Like, God, fill me because you are the God that fills us up. You are the God that satisfies. You are the God that heals us. You are the God that holds us. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the, the Word of God calls the Holy Spirit our comforter. You know, and, and every time I read that, you know, I, I, I giggle because there's two ways you can look at it. You know, comforter for some of us is, is like, you know, our comforter right? Our blanket or whatever. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, when I come over you, I come over you. I, I wrap around you. Wow. Wow. Maybe we need to write a song called the wrap around love of God, you know, and then maybe have a wrap. In, okay, never mind. That's, I'm not gifted. I'm not gifted. Okay. I'm not gifted. I'm just a worshiper. Okay. I'll, I'll leave the gifting to the worship team and the songwriters there. But a comforter, I can also imagine someone that comes over and, 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 and like a friend comforts another friend with a gentle pat on the back. You know, can God hold me? Yes, He wants to hold because the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Amen. When we sing, friends, you're, you're, you're prophesying to your own soul. And you're using your own emotional strengths to prophesy God's truth. So friends, I, I hope you realize this. And in other words, this is something you can do every day. This is something you can do every week. No, don't just, don't just worship God on a Sunday only. Amen. You know, the best time to worship God, I can tell you, you know, is shower time. Praise the Lord. You get physically clean and you get spiritually clean at the same time. You know, and you know, put the hot water up. You know, most bathrooms have a nice echo. Even if you can't sing, you suddenly sound like a choir of angels. And so, you know, begin to practice that. You know, how do you start your day? How do you start your day? You know, you start your day reading God's Word. You start your day with a shower, of course, but in the shower, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Point number two is this. Besides prophesying in worship, we can also prophesy in prayer. Prophesy in prayer. You know, God wants us to be a praying church and there's power in prayer. Prayer is not just mouthing off a, a wish list onto God. You know, it's not giving God your Amazon wish list and say, hey, Jesus, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want to make it happen. It's not. It's not. When you, when you pray, uh, you're actually partnering with God and you're speaking over a bad situation. 
Amen? You know, all of us, we pray. We pray, God, help me in my exam. God, help me, you know, to fit in. God, help me, you know, uh, to be free from, from, I don't know, addiction or different things. In other words, when you come, when you, when you enter prayer, you're, actually ent- you're, you're surrendering your problems to God. But don't just surrender your problems. God, you know, uh, 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 you know but prophesy over your problems. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't just surrender your problems to God. Prophesy over your problems. And can we do this? Of course we can. So let's go to Jesus' teaching on prayer, right? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. This is something called the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, we, we, we love it. We, we, we recite it. And just reciting it alone uh, 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 soothes our soul. But in it is also Jesus teaching us the heart of prayer. You know, uh, and, and, and so let, let's, let's go through this. This is by no means like the only way you can pray, all right? Uh, but, but Jesus is saying, this is the heart. This is how you should pray. In this manner, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom the power and glory forever. Amen. Do you realize that this prayer is in present tense? It's not, it's not like, oh Lord, you know, your, your, your kingdom came and your will's already been done. No, no, no. It's like your, we pray. Right now, your kingdom doesn't feel like it's here. Right now, my life doesn't feel like God's kingdom has arrived yet. But I declare that God's kingdom will come over my workplace. I declare that God's kingdom will come over my family. I would declare God's kingdom will come. And not only will it come and hover over my circumstances, but God's will will be done. And so complete will that will be done that, that my life here on earth will be like it is in heaven. And so when you, what you do when you pray is this, you're, you're bring your problems to God and you're just having a pity party about it. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to ugly cry in front of God. But after that, we got to be like God and begin to declare. And God, I, I, I declare your healing over the situation. Can we do that? Of course we can. Because Jesus encourages us to pray for on earth, for whatever we're going through on earth, to be like in heaven. Right? You don't need to be a theologian to know that, that there are, there's no cancer in heaven. There's no destruction in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no dead end in heaven. And, but, but on earth, there is poverty. There is cancer. There is dead end. In heaven, there's no addiction. But on earth, there are chains. But so what do we pray? Do we just go like, God, you see my chains? Ah, oh, my chains. Ah, oh, my chains. My addiction. I've been addicted for so long. Don't get me wrong. Is it okay to do that? Do that. But after that, say, but God on earth as it is in heaven. I might be bound, but Lord, you are the breaker of chains. And God, I know in heaven, there are no chains. In heaven, Lord, we celebrate you in total freedom. So I declare, Lord, when you pray. You see how, if you understand this, you begin to pray in a different way. Amen. And now you begin to declare God's freedom. God, I want to live in your freedom. God, I want to dance in your freedom. I want to walk in your freedom. Hallelujah. I pray that I will be set free. That's how you pray. That's how you prophesy over your current situation. Do you see how it is something that not only we can do, but hopefully now you see there's something that we desperately need to do. And maybe that's why, because the devil knows that there's power in your declaration. We can, we can all understand this, that there are power over words. Do you believe there's power over words? No, if, if you don't, then you, that means you've never been hurt by someone's, someone's words before. And I can guarantee that all of us here, we've been hurt by words before. 
right? You know, the saying says, stick and stones might break my bones, but, but names will never hurt me. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Sometimes we rather prefer the sticks and stones because the names will haunt us forever. You know, so if you really want to mess someone up, you know, just give them a bad name. And anyway, coming back, coming back with church, we're God's people. You know, but we all understand there is power in our words, right? And we use them all the time. We use them in anger. We use them to bully other people. Why not use them to prophesy? Amen? And so, this is how, and, and it says here, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Has the daily bread arrived yet? No. But God, give us this day. In other words, it's, it's teaching us that when you pray, have an attitude of thanking God in advance. Can you begin to pray like, like it's already been done? And that's how God wants us to pray. That's how God wants us to connect with Him in prayer. If you ever sat here and thought, oh, prayer is so boring. It is not. It is not. It is, it is an honest time of surrendering our pain to God, but it's also a powerful time of declaring God's truth over our pain. Amen? And so that's how we can prophesy in prayer. And so, come on, start practicing that. Amen? You don't need to be a prophet to start prophesying in prayer over your own life. You know, let everything start with your own life. If you ever want to do anything for God, let it start in your own life, right? You know, if you want to join the worship team, let it start in your own life. You know, start worshipping where you're at first. Don't go like, you know, uh, I don't like to worship and the reason why I join the worshipping is to change the way you worship. You know, then Sam will, will have some nice words for you. You have some nice prophetic words for you. Or, or some you have, you know, you're thinking, oh God, I want to be used by you to be evangelist. I want to bring people to come to know you. Hey, yeah, first bring yourself to church first. Oh, bring yourself, come on. You know what I'm saying? So start with yourself. Point number three, I'm getting distracted. I'm getting excited, really. Prophesy in obedience. You see, we can prophesy in our worship. We can prophesy in our prayer. And we definitely need to prophesy in obedience. Obedience means what? Obedience means that we, 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 we do what God has already told us to do. Let, let, me, let me break it down to you this way, right? Every miracle that Jesus has ever performed, in fact, every miracle of God, uh, has these three ingredients. It starts with a word from God. Right? So Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And, and, and then the miracle happened that Lazarus came alive. But in the middle of it, there's an act of obedience. That even a dead body needs to be obedient. You know what I'm saying, right? So there are three components. Every miracle starts with a word from God, ends with the miracle, and in the middle is obedience. Right? We learn at homes, right? Uh, Elisha, the prophet, said, asked the widow, go, you know, and borrow many empty vessels. So, and, and then at the end, we know that, you know, the all overflowed, he able to sell all, to pay the husband's debt, and live on and retire on the rest, live happily ever after. Uh, but in the middle was the act of obedience of going out to borrow empty vessels. Right? You know, Jesus killed blind people. And Jesus at one time, you know, uh, uh, made some mud using his spit and, and smeared it on the eye of this blind person and said, go to this certain pool and wash. Do you know that that is, starts with the, 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 the command of Jesus to, to go and then it ends with the blind person healed but in the middle was a blind person who had to be obedient to, to kind of like, you know, find his way to that specific pool. What am I saying? I'm saying that maybe God's already spoken. And, 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 and what 
needs that now happen in order for the prophetic word of God to come true. Do you know that God's already spoken in the Bible? Do you know that God's already spoken over your life? He's already spoken His victory. In fact, let me summarize because of time. You know, ultimately, if you forget verses, whatever, just remember this phrase. It is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, He yelled out, it is finished. It is done. He's not saying he is finished. He says it is finished. Every problem, done. Signed, sealed, delivered, done. And so if you ever wonder, will, will God heal me? Remember this, it is finished. What is the word of God over your life? It is finished. I'm applying for a job. It is finished. Oh, I, I hope I graduate the right, right results. It is finished. Oh, I really want to be set free from this addiction. It is finished. In other words, God is saying that it is done. You are free. You have been provided for. It is finished. What's missing before the fruition of that miracle is your obedience. And, and, and so let's look at, just for us to, you know, so that you know that I'm not just making this stuff up. Let's go to, at least, I know Jesus performed a lot of miracles. Let's look at at least two of Jesus' miracles. Let's look at his first miracle. And let's look at his last miracle. All right? That's the, the, the first miracle of Jesus, John chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. All right? John 2, verse 4 to 10. Uh, this is uh, Jesus at the wedding of Canada. That's his first miracle. I know. Uh, we're talking about Jesus when he was on earth, okay? Don't get theological with me and go like, you know, technically the gospel of John says that in the beginning, you know, uh, you know, there was, God, you know the, there was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So technically, you know, Jesus was in creation. Yes, 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 I know, I agree, I agree. But let's, let's for, the, for, for this illustration, let's look at his earthly miracles. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So a bit of context, okay? So young couple getting married, running out of wine, all right? And then, Jesus, and then Jesus' earthly mom go like, Jesus, help these people out. You know, young couple in love, they're trying their best. Come on, Jesus, help them out. And, and let me clarify, okay? Only Jesus can tell and speak to mom and call her woman, okay? If, if, you, if you do this, uh, uh, I don't care how much you prophesy, <laughs> you might be dead. <laughs> if, if your mom tells you, you know, to do something, you go like, woman, what has that got to do with me? Yeah, only Jesus, okay? Only Jesus. Woman, what does your concept to do with me? My hours only come. Jesus is saying that, come on, woman, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not called to do this yet. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's obedience. Whatever he says to you, do it. You see, Mary understood something about obedience. Because her life, herself, the miraculous birth of Jesus started with a command from God and, and the middle ingredient was her obedience and then Jesus came nine months later. So she knows a thing or two about whatever he says to you, do it. Amen? And now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast came, uh, called to the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sends out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. So Jesus, in his first miracle, also invented the phrase, saving the best to last. <laughs> Amen? But here you have, okay, I want us to study this a little bit. 
right? This is a miracle, water into wine. We're familiar with this miracle, at least some of us are, right? And, and it starts with Jesus commanding, hey, fill the water pots, fill them with what? Water, right? And then let's just turn back to, uh, uh, you know, Scripture earlier on, between verse 7 to verse 9, your middle slide, uh, Michael. It says that, fill the water pots with what? Water, okay? And they fill them up to the brim. Draw some out now and take it to the master. And they took it. When the master of feast had tasted what? The water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water. Focus on the servants who have drawn the water new. Pay attention. Jesus commanded it to be filled with water. When it was drawn it was still water. When it was drawn, it wasn't wine yet. That's why the, the, you know, John was so clear to say that, you see, you know, fill it with water, right? Draw out now. And when the master tasted the water, and he was tasting the water was made into wine, servants who drawn what? The water. And so the, 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 this is the power of obedience. The miracle happened on the way. The miracle happened on the way. And so some of us here were thinking, God, you know, I want to see a breakthrough life. And God is saying that, walk as if you're free. I'm not free yet. I'm still addicted. But walk as if you're free. Because it is your obedience. It is as you're making your way to the final destination that, you are, that, that the miracle happens. Do you see the power? The obedience, friends. And so what, what does it mean by prophesy in our obedience? In other words, prophesy in action. On Sunday, when you hear the Word of God, say yes and amen. Then after that, live it out. Live victoriously. And you might not feel victorious, but live it out. Can you, can you imagine the servant probably didn't feel very victorious? Jesus, are you, <laughs> are you, are you pranking me, Jesus? Jesus is saying that, take the water. Can you imagine the servant? He says here, right? The master didn't know, but the servant knew. Can you imagine the servant going like, I'm carrying water. I'm carrying water. I'm just a servant. Why is Jesus asking me to give a goblet of water to the master ceremony? Jesus! And then the moment the master ceremony drank, go like, oh, this is good stuff! And then the servant go like, oh, it's all been turned to wine. Obedience, friends. Has God already said something? Has God challenged you to step out? And you're waiting for the miracle first. A lot of us are like that, right? You know, God, you ask me what on water? Okay, so, so until, until, until I feel my first step. No, no, no. It's, it's when you step out, then the miracle happens. It's when you obey, then the miracle happens. It's maybe even along the way. I don't know how long or how slow this servant walked. How, how, how slow would you walk if you were the servant? <laughs> would you be tempted to walk out the door? <laughs> you know, and, and God is saying that, no, it is on the way. Amen. And, and, and let's look at the, the, the last miracle before Jesus went to the cross, right? Uh, for the sake of time, we're going to look at one verse. And about, let me give you some context, okay? Uh, so Luke chapter 22, verse 51. Okay, uh, here it says, we're going to read it in a while. Um, but long story short is this, Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying. He knew that people were coming after him. He knew that he would be arrested, tortured, hung on the cross, and uh, he was just kind of like preparing himself for that. His apostles knew that something was up, so a bunch of them uh, got 
you know, bought knives and swords and, and they actually, you know, when they tried to arrest Jesus, they actually went like, yeah! they tried to like, you know, cut uh, uh, the, the attacker. Now, I love because the, 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 the Gospels are so, so kind of honest. So the, the, the Gospel of Mark, uh, which is, you know, written by John Mark, you know, but he uh, is actually written based on the testimony, the Bible scholars believe, the testimony of Peter. And, and, and in, in the Gospel of Mark, if you go back and read it uh, uh, about this incident, it says that someone, someone tried to, you know, cut the person. But in the Gospel of John, go back and read it, but we're reading Luke today because Luke is the most balanced one. No, John actually go like, and Peter. <laughs> so I like how, you know, Peter's like, you know, so tell us what happened on that night. Someone, some, someone tried to, you know, someone, you know, so he loved the teacher, not try to, try to slash the attacker. Someone, oh, okay, someone, someone. John is like, Peter. And then Luke, Luke was like, okay, whatever. But Luke was the only one that, that made sure he didn't miss the miracle. And the miracle is this. But Jesus, after the, the servant's ear was slashed. In fact, Bible scholars believe this, that the reason why the ear was slashed, not because the person tried to cut the ear. You know, the, the Peter wasn't going like, I, I, try, no, I cut you, I cut you. And then eh, the ear. No, no, no. Bible scholars believe that Peter was, was so protective of Jesus, he actually aimed for the head. And the servant actually like, ah! And then, Slice the ear. And so the ear went off, but Jesus answered and says, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Some translations say, permit even this. Some translations say, stop this. Some translations say, or some uh, of the other gospels say, put your swords away. So on one hand, there is the obedience of walking in obedience. And then there is the obedience of surrender. And so Jesus is saying that, hey, permit even this. I know you don't like this, but allow this. Allow them to take me away. Give in to their violence. Don't fight back against the people that are trying to persecute you. That's surrender right there. Let down your swords. That's a surrender there. Stop this. That's a surrender there. And so obedience can be stepping up by faith. But obedience can also be surrender. Is God also asking you to surrender something? You're believing, God, I want a miracle. God, I want to see a breakthrough in this area. And God is saying that, but I need you to surrender. Would you surrender? Would you surrender? And it is in the surrendering of our right, right to be angry, right to have revenge, the right to have the last say, the right to protect ourselves. You know? And God is saying that, let go, surrender, obey, turn the other cheek, humble yourself, repent. And then the miracle happened. We can all agree that if Peter didn't stop, <laughs> the miracle won't happen. <laughs> right? Jesus is saying, that, stop it. And then Peter, Peter's like, ah! You know, definitely John will be writing a lot of it. <laughs> but no, stop. Permit even this. Heal. And then surrender himself to the cross. So you see, every miracle from the first to the last starts with the word of God, the command of Jesus, the command of God, ends with the miracle, the healing, the breakthrough, the provision. In the middle is always obedience. The feeding of 5,000, obedience. You know, the lame person, get up and walk, obedience. 
Obedience, friends. So, my question to you, even as you draw to a close, is this. Do you want to see God move in your life? I mean, do you really want to see God move in your life? Then from today onwards, worship differently. Worship. Participate in worship. And I don't just mean sing. But as you sing, I want you to sing over your problems. Do you want God to move in your life, friends? From today onwards, ask God for a new love for prayer. Because prayer is not boring. It's far from it. Do you know that God never asks us to do anything boring? We, we, the devil wants us to think, oh, boring. Reading the Bible, boring. If you read the Bible, you know it's not boring. Prayer, boring. You, you think Jesus is a boring person? Jesus spends so much time praying. No, because in prayer, there's, there's prophecy, and there's this connection, there's so much. And last but not least, do you want to see God move in your life? Then prophesy, declare through your obedience. Whether it's through stepping out because God has already spoken, don't wait for the result. If you only celebrate after something has happened, that, that, that's not faith there. That's just fact. Oh, yay, it's done. But begin to thank God in advance. Begin to prophesy God on the way. The miracle happens on the way. And of course, the other act of obedience is surrender. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that we're able to just, you know, you know, relook and 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 redefine what prophesying is again. And God, your servant Paul understood this when he said in the epistles later that he wished that all people who were reading his letters would would start prophesying because I think he, he understood what you desire for all of us. That while some can be gifted, all are called. And so God, we pray that from today onwards, Lord, we will, we will not look at worship the same way again. God, we will not look at prayer the same way again. God, we will not look at obedience the same way again. And God, today, I especially want to pray for people for the last point, Lord. If there's any brother sister right now who hears my voice who, who's, who's, who you know God has already spoken you know what God has already told you to do um, but maybe you're too afraid to do it maybe you're too stubborn to do it maybe you're too angry to do it but friends do it whatever he tells you do it whatever he tells you do it and your miracle will be on the way if you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life why don't you join me in saying this prayer Lord Jesus thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.